Welcome to Regulated and Relational, the bi-monthly podcast produced by the Attachment and Trauma Network. In this first episode, ATN's Executive Director Julie Beam and Parent Program Director Ginger Healy discuss how ATN defines trauma and what it means to become trauma-informed. Let's join them. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Regulated and Relational, our new podcast that we're producing here at the Attachment and Trauma Network. I'm Julie Beam and I'm Ginger Healy and we're excited to share with you both our personal experiences and our professional knowledge about what it truly means to be attachment focused, trauma informed and how we can help children impacted by early childhood trauma. Our goal is to inform you about being trauma-informed. If you're new to all of this talk about early childhood trauma that is becoming more commonplace in media, social media, and really our daily lives, this podcast is for you. If you're a veteran therapist, educator, or other professional, or just a longtime parent or caregiver of children who have been traumatized, thank you. Mm -hmm. Our life's work has been instrumental in helping so many children. We hope this podcast will affirm what you already know and perhaps give you some insights or different perspectives. And finally, if you're a listener who is in process, a parent, an educator, community leader, or other who is just learning and interested in trauma-informed care and practices, but you're not sure really what you know or don't know or what you should be doing next, well... In process is a great place to be because trauma-informed isn't something that you do. Trauma-informed is something that you become. And technically, we're all still in process. So Ginger and I are too, which is what is so really cool about the conversations that lie ahead on this podcast. We're going to talk about the terms and concepts and strategies by providing definitions and explanations because it's very important that we all start with the same common language. It helps to ensure that these concepts are more widely understood. But we're also going to tell stories about our lives and insights from others that we've served through ATN, and that hopefully will illustrate the concepts and strategies we're talking about, although they could just be stories that pop into our heads. (laughs) (laughs) You never know with us, right? (laughs) And that's an important part of the Regulated and Relational podcast, sharing those stories of hope and resilience and just having a conversation about trauma and attachment and resilience. These conversations, especially with Ginger and me, they can sometimes take a detour. So let's get started. And each episode, we hope to have a definition or two that you'll be able to add to your personal lexicon. That way we can start having this common language about what it means to be trauma-informed and resilience building. So today's definition is a biggie and a good place to start. What is trauma? I like to define trauma as a psychologically distressing event that is outside the range of normal human experience. Trauma often involves intense fear, terror, and helplessness. And that comes from Dr. Bruce Perry. That's a great definition. Here's what I like about it. I like that it, that it immediately takes us to trauma that is, isn't a medical or physical trauma. So we're not talking the trauma center like an ER 
or you know some physical accident or something that happened. It also identifies that the person being impacted by trauma feels fear, terror, and helplessness. And you know this, Ginger, because you already know, and we've presented together um, before, that the helplessness piece is really important, in my opinion, um, and as at the crux of something important as to how traumatic something is to you. If you feel helpless to change what's happening, you're more likely to be traumatized than if you feel like there's something that you can do to make a difference. Right. Don't you think? Exactly. But at the same time, um, there's one, um, one thing that bothers me, a couple of things actually, that bother me a little bit about this definition. And um, of course, this is um, one of Dr. Perry's older definitions of trauma. Um, and that is first around the word event that we'll talk about in a minute. And then that it says that that this event is outside the range of normal human experience. Um, So normal human experience leads to the question, what's normal? What's, and what's a normal response to an event that's causing trauma. And the reason that that's kind of weird uh, on the definition is that if you're, um, If you're a child who experiences early childhood trauma from the beginning, from even in utero or even as a young child, what's normal in that situation? I mean, your life as you experience it is normal, right? And so, so using that as a definition that this is outside the realm of a normal human experience, it, it confuses us when we're looking to see, well, could this child's, um, behaviors and could this child's um, challenges be related to trauma you know and then we often hear people say well of course not because nothing nothing traumatic ever happened to this child Mm -hmm. so um, that's from our own human perspectives as adults and we're thinking but wait could it be that the child was in the hospital in the NICU for several months and, you know, we don't look at that as being outside the, the realm of normal human experience because we don't, you know, we don't consider it willfully traumatizing, you know, like child abuse, like child abuse is an obvious one where we go, oh yeah, if a child's abused, of course, they're going to have some trauma impacts. Um, or it's possible for them to have, I guess not a hundred percent of them would have maybe, but, but yeah, but on the flip side is in, in places that we don't know what the normal human experience is. You know what I'm getting at here, Ginger? Well, yes, exactly. Because (laughs) normal is not necessarily a word that can be easily defined, especially coming at it from what lens you're looking at, you know, we could go on and on in a whole other podcast about where we're coming from, what we bring to the table. And then that is how we define normal, but that's going to be very different from someone else who grew up in a very different situation. So, so it makes that definition a little bit slippery there. And then the other thing is around the idea that it's an event and, and that, that makes it slippery too. And I think Dr. Perry even is very clear on that, because since he gave that as the definition that we really do love, he has also defined trauma as an experience or pattern of experiences 
that impair the proper functioning of a person's stress response system, making it more reactive or sensitive. And that's got a lot of good validity as a definition too, mostly because we've changed it from an event to an experience, right? Exactly. You can't, you know, like at ATM, we say things like you don't get to pick your trauma or your child's trauma, right? Just because an event happens doesn't mean that you're going to be traumatized by it, but also doesn't mean that you're not going to be traumatized by it. You know, if it may seem insignificant to us as the adults in the situation, but it wasn't insignificant to this particular child or person. Yeah. And two people can experience what we would say the same thing, but actually not experiencing the same things, even siblings, you know, will tell a different story. So you know, when we talk about trauma, it inevitably feels kind of overwhelming, kind of scary, but that is why we're here. That is why we are so excited to bring this to you because we truly, truly have um, walked through the muck of all this and continue to, and we'll do that because we are both parents of children who have been significantly impacted by trauma. And I want to quickly go back to something I said at the very beginning of this podcast. I said, if you're just a parent, and as soon as I said that, I went, what in the world that qualifier just, that is not what I meant at all. And you'll get to know that throughout the other episodes. But let me start off by saying there is no, no such thing as if you're just a parent, just a parent with a superhero. Cape on. That's, that's just what you are. Yeah. So yeah. I just had to get that out there that that is not at all what I meant. We are parents ourselves. Didn't even hear you say that, but thank you. For- well, it would have bugged me for the whole rest of the day. So I better, you know, get it off my chest right now. You're just a parent but- like me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So you'll get to know us because of our parenting experiences and of course our professional experiences. We come to it very personally and of course have such a passion for this work. But the other exciting thing that we cannot wait to share with our listeners is the science because it has grown and changed and evolved and it is everywhere. And we're going to almost come at you like a fire hose and try to break it down. And we're going to simplify it and bring practical tips for healing. And so we'll get to all that later. But first, um, one thing that we love that Julie especially loves to geek out on is a little bit of neuroscience. So don't be scared. When I say the word neuroscience, get excited because we will break it down. Exactly. So you know, um, the real question is, you know, why are we doing a podcast? And we talked about that a little bit uh, before. But one of the one of the reasons that it's good for us to do a podcast right now is exactly what Ginger said is because there's so much information about brains and the way that brains develop. And, um, and if you um, haven't picked that up in things that you read and that you're listening to um, you need to, and it's becoming more common knowledge. And that's great. When I was in college and when I was a young adult and a young mom, what I knew about child development was really what I had learned from my parents about child development. Or if I read some books, it was pretty basic and it didn't 
zero in on how babies' brains develop. But, oh my goodness, there's so much. I mean, we've lived through the, the decade of the brain in the 90s, and we're, we're 30 years from that, almost 30 years from that at this point. And there's, there's so much going you know, out there about how our brains function, how our brains develop. There's so much more we still don't know. We're still very much a society that diagnoses and looks at brain illnesses and problems on a symptoms basis, because unlike the rest of our body, we're not quite as good yet at figuring out where the problems are physically in the brain. But it's really important that we understand that trauma, that traumatic experiences, that the toxic stress, that's going to be a definition someday, um, that, that happens that when you feel traumatized does have an impact on your brain and the way your brain functions. And if you are a developing person, a growing person, a child who isn't you know, a mature adult yet, it has, it can have even a greater impact on the way that you will, that you go through that brain development. Now, the other piece of knowledge about the brain that's super important is the idea that our brains can change and they can change at all ages. Um, it's called neuroplasticity way back in the day when, when Julie, who's an old broad at this point um, was in college, um, my psychology teachers didn't know that and didn't, you know, they, they were basically of the, of the thought processes that the older you get, your brain cells die, and then you sort of lose functioning and that you can kill off brain cells by doing activities like going to too many frat parties and drinking too much. So the warning was don't, you know, <laughs> don't get, don't do that. Now, I'm not advocating that anybody does that because that isn't the most healthy lifestyle. But I also know from all the newer science that we are able to make connections and um, and change the way our brains function on a regular basis. We can we can teach our brains and train them and work with them throughout our entire lives. So that gives us lots of hope, right? That gives us a lot of hope about, um, about folks that are, that are struggling with things. It also gives us a lot to, you know, to look out for in terms of the importance of giving children the very best brain development that we can give them early on, right? That's the other message, I think, that's yeah. super important, is understanding the impacts of potential trauma and toxic stress. And we'll get into this in so many podcasts in the future, how to make a difference in, you know, in light of what might be traumatic, how to help avoid that, or how to help mitigate that, how to help take care of that um, are important things for us all to recognize, not just for our children, but for ourselves, but especially for the children as they develop. So, uh, your stress response system is something else I wanted to hit upon. We will definitely be doing podcasts on. I think we've got one coming up uh, where we're going to talk about the window of tolerance, where we'll be talking a lot about how your uh, stress response system gets activated. And um, that 
each one of us has got a certain amount of tolerance of that. And, and we have to, to recognize in ourselves and in our children and in the children that we work with, you know, the differences in what you do to get triggered and what that looks like. And the other thing you'll hear a lot from us in relationship to the brain and to the neuroscience is that that's where our behaviors come from. Our behaviors are from what our brain is reacting to, what their communication of what's going on inside of us. And so because of that, if we, you know, if, if our stress response is out of whack or is we're feeling big feelings because of something that's happened, that's stressful, we're going to have behaviors that might look atypical, that might be over the top in big outburst, startle ways in big, angry, disruptive ways, or might be just the opposite. They might be quiet, withdrawal, shut down kind of ways. So all of that, traditionally in the trauma world, we've called that fight, flight, freeze. And then there's another one called fawn. We'll probably get to all of that someday in a, in a podcast and define those things for you too. But the point is that all of that is a neurological reaction to what's happening around you and to you and what you're feeling about that. It's not necessarily a willful behavior. And it's not necessarily something that in the moment of the experience that you're having, that you can control or stop or alter. It's a signal to the rest of us and to yourself that, oh my gosh, the stress has become too much, become toxic, right? That's exactly right. And boy, (laughs) I feel like I need a big heavy sigh after that because it's a lot. lot. There is a lot. And it really brings up a lot of things for me. And um, I I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about um, part of my journey. Um, So I'll share this little story. When I was a new, young, naive adoptive mom, you know, I really wanted to learn as much as I could. And so of course I took classes before the adoption, but I also realized very quickly I needed to take classes after the adoption because apparently I didn't know everything, even though I thought I did. (laughs) Right. But one thing really stood out to me in one of those classes, and it was a line that said, your child doesn't need to be fixed. Your child needs to heal. And, you know, I just kind of at that moment knew that that was speaking directly to me because I had a lovely checklist of things that I felt like needed to be fixed in the behaviors, in our home, in everything that this adoption had changed. And so I took that lovely list to the pediatrician and said, okay, here's what we need to work on. Here's what we need to fix. And I'm not kidding that was three pages long. That's, you know, how, um, I don't know what the word is, how it shows a lot about me. And of course the pediatrician laughed and put the list to the side. Um, but let me just explain, well, it's really kind of in a roundabout way that my son, when he, you know, he was placed in the orphanage as a newborn infant, I met him when he was two, but the process took three years. So it was five years time, a lot of time. Yeah. Able to come home. So 
during that time, we were able to move him from the orphanage into a foster family, which was a very good thing. But what happened as a result of that, thank heavens, was that he was dearly loved by this foster family Mm -hmm. and had a very close relationship with his foster sister. And although that was a very needed and beautiful thing, you can imagine how hard it was for him to come to me as a new mom, as a stranger. He didn't know what the word mom meant and why would he want to leave them? So, you know, that picture that some of us moms had in our head (laughs) of a child running into our arms and being so grateful for their new mom. You mean the Hallmark video that we often see? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't quite go that way. (laughs) And of course, logically, I knew that, but emotionally, that was a tough pill to swallow and, 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 you know, I could go on and on about that. We cannot blame him for all of those really deep rooted losses and grief that had to come because of all that. So, you know, I had this vision of what would happen and obviously that vision didn't happen. I wanted to really work towards accomplishing the fixing and I, not of him, but of just the situation, because I did not want him to be bullied. I did not want him to suffer. I did not want him to go through all these very difficult transitions and pains. And so that's what I was trying to fix. It wasn't that I wanted to change him. I just wanted the situation to be better. Of course, that, you know, whole vision blew up in my face. Um, And so I loved that that message, you know, afterwards in that class was that it's not him or the the situation that needs to be fixed. It's that there is healing that needs to occur. So I just needed to accept the situation and work on change slowly. And it, of course, you know, that was 20 years ago. So when I say slowly, (laughs) it's probably good that someone didn't say this is going to take 20, 30, 40 years, because I don't think I (laughs) wrapped my around that. But, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't have that crystal ball. I, I couldn't have handled what that crystal ball said. We had to take it in bite size pieces and chunks through the years. So there's so much kept moving forward and that we found the resources that we did. So obviously I was asking the wrong question instead of asking what's wrong, how to fix it. I needed to really come to that paradigm shift of what happened, looking at the behaviors as a symptom and what we needed to heal, looking beyond the behaviors. Ooh, can't wait to get to that, you know, episode when we talk about all of that. But, um, boy, I don't even know where to go from there. I well, feel gender, like- there's so much in that story <laughs> that, um, that if you're listening to this, not only are you thinking, wow, you know, I want to hear more about what ginger did over those 20 years and all the, all the learning steps that happened. And that's, that's her personal story, let alone her professional knowledge that has that, has come into play and in all of that. But I'm just sitting here thinking about, oh, well, we need an episode on that and that and that and, you know, changing our expectations, understanding, you know, understanding what we're really, um, what is really going on inside of children and how we know that and still having hope. And 
um, this is a heavy topic and it's hard to, it's hard to convey this without you out there listening to it and having some big feels around it. Um, we have big feels around it too. And we've both been living this for, you know, two plus decades of our lives with our families. Um, and seeing, I am, for me, a lot of the hope is seeing the awareness and the difference in what the society now knows about this and the difference in who's interested in this message. So many people who work with children on a regular basis are much more aware and interested in the message of how do we help children heal from the early traumas that they have. And also recognizing that we can't fix somebody, but we can help them heal. I mean, ultimately it would be great if a child never had to experience trauma, but the truth is that's going to be a hard you know, that's going to be a hard fix for us as a society for children to never grow up um, without traumas. Actually, um, when we get to talking about resilience, it's probably a good thing that we all have at least some pretty challenging levels of stress to help boost our ability to be more resilient. But it's that understanding what those those are what trauma is, what resilience is, what all of these different things are, and what we can do for ourselves and for our children to make a difference. We have a lot to unpack. There's going to be plenty of information in these episodes. Um, and we also want to invite the audience to, you know, to join us in that unpacking with questions and comments. I mean, we really do want to hear from you about what it, what you're interested in knowing or talking about um, because, you know, this is, this is an important conversation that we all have. The next reason that we felt like a podcast right now was important is because of what's happening right now in this world. And that is, we've all been through an experience, a defining experience worldwide that is going to impact. I mean, there's not a single one of us that isn't impacted by the experience of what's happened with us in this COVID and quarantine. Um, we may be able to think of good things. We may be able to think of things like my family got to slow down. We got to be more connected. You know, there's all kinds of really great things that, that have happened, but there's also some pretty not so great things that have happened to us as human beings. And we as a, adults can think about that I think about how it's impacted us personally and the feelings that we have about those things and how we are now feeling isolated or um, anxious to get back to, um, you know, to normal, whatever normal is and the interface with people, or maybe we're feeling just the opposite anxious about getting back to that normal because we've been so anxious about being around other people. Each one of us is feeling something different. Um, and so are our kids, right? So are the children around us. They're all feeling these big feels and they take a lot of their cues about what to worry about and what to stress about from watching the adults in the situation, right? Oh, so yeah. this collective trauma that our society has had is going to define a lot of things for years to come. 
and it can define it in a negative way in that, you know, that there's, there are dire predictions of things like more people needing mental health services and more people being stressed out and, and um, all of the poor outcomes that have, that come from adversity that are, that the um, ACEs study, adverse childhood experiences, another definition for another episode, but all of these things that they tell us about what happens if people have a lot of adversities in terms of their physical health and their emotional and social health and their um, way to ways to interact with each, each other relationally. They're big. Those are big, heavy negatives. But just like the Chinese proverb of, you know, challenges and opportunities are the same symbol in Chinese, right? Because the opportunity beginning the post-COVID conversation around trauma and the impacts of all these negative impacts of this pandemic are that we've got the opportunity to use the neuroscience, to use what we know about trauma-informed care, about how to build resilience, to make a difference in a big way. We can, we can do it on a systemic societal level, and we can do it individually for ourselves and in our own homes and families and schools. And, and if we weren't thinking about doing that before, now is a great time for us to start thinking about that because we don't, trauma isn't just something that happens to those people. It's, it's happening to many more of us now than ever before. Don't you think? Absolutely. Prior to the pandemic, we knew that one in four children had been impacted by traumatic circumstances. That alone is a very high number. And it's why we do the work that we do. But now, of course, we know that that number is much higher. And we're not just talking about children. We're talking about everyone. And so you had mentioned that word collective trauma. That is exactly what we're going through. And just talking about it and bringing awareness and acknowledging it is what gets us started on that path. So that's why. That is why we felt so compelled to discuss everything that we're about to really dive into in further episodes. Right. So I think this is a good place for us to stop on on our very first, what are we doing and why are we doing it type of podcast? Um, The other thing we know is podcasters are a super quick, informal way. We don't want to keep ours going too long because we want it to be maybe the length of your exercise or your drive home or how long it takes you to make dinner or whatever it is that wherever in your life you can, you know, can listen to us. So we're trying to, to keep it at that length for you too. We hope that we've sparked your curiosity and maybe giving you some new information. Maybe, maybe it's the definitions and the things that, that we, um, that we impart, or maybe it's a perspective that you want to consider. Um, and if that's the case, then we've done our job and um, we hope you join us next time where we will be ha- talking a little more hopefully about all of this instead of trauma, 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 we'll talk about trauma, but resilience, right? So join us for the next episode. This has been an episode of Regulated and Relational. Tune in next time when Ginger and Julie will talk about building resilience. Regulated and Relational is produced by the Attachment and Trauma Network. A special thanks to Nicole Anderson, our researcher, and Lorraine Schneider and Stephanie Gard, our editors. Music donated by Joe Kramer. 
For more information about the Attachment and Trauma Network, visit our website at www.attachedtrauma.org. Show notes and upcoming episodes are available on our website and through anchor.fm. I'm Danny Pankratz. Thanks for listening.